You're listening to episode number 43 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today, we're chatting about problems behind restrictive dieting, five deficiencies that can lead to binge eating, and steps to becoming conscious in a binge. So stay tuned. Hey, I'm Leanne from HelpfulPursuit.com, and this is the Keto Diet Podcast, where we're busting through the restrictive mentality of a traditional ketogenic diet to uncover the life you crave. What's keto? Keto is a low-carb, high-fat diet where we're switching from a sugar-burning state to becoming fat-burning machines. All listeners of the podcast receive a free seven-day keto meal plan, complete with a shopping list and everything you need to chow down on keto for seven whole days. Download your free copy at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash keto meal. The link will also be in the show notes for today's episode. Perfect if your daily keto meals have become a bit lackluster, if you're new to keto and a bit lost when it comes to eating what and how much, or thrive on being guided on what to do and when to do it. Again, that's healthfulpursuit.com forward slash keto meal. Let's get this party started. Hey guys, happy Sunday. The following has nothing to do with keto. Well, a little bit because it's coconut, but... I just want to share with you guys that we got a new dog. She's a red Doberman. Her name is Coconut and she's been with our family now for four weeks and we couldn't be happier. Now we have three loving, amazing dogs and yeah, the dogs outnumber the people, but we run a very tight ship here in the Healthful Pursuit household and nothing really flies. So she joined the family and got integrated very well and her little sisters have been showing her what to do and what not to do and things are going really well. I know that a lot of you say that you want little life updates from me. So that's what's going on in our life. And we're really happy we named her Coconut because it's so fitting. Just if you met her, you would see that she is totally a coconut. The show notes and full transcript for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash e Four, three, and the transcript is added to the post about three to five days following the initial air date of this episode. So anything that we chat about in today's episode, whether it be a resource or a link, it will be in the show notes. And let's hear from one of our awesome partners. The show is partnered up with Paleo Valley, the makers of the only 100% grass-fed and finished fermented beef stick. Each stick contains 1 billion probiotic CFUs. We all know how important fermented foods are to the health of our gut and the strength of our immune system. Chowing down on Paleo Valley's fermented beef sticks provides your body with all of the beneficial bacteria it loves in one convenient little beef stick. Their gut-friendly sticks are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, GMO-free, freaky chemical additive dye and preservative-free, as well as being 100% free from carbs and sugar and made with the highest quality ingredients. Exclusive to listeners of the show, receive instant savings of 20% off Paleo Valley fermented beef stick snacks by going to paleovalley.com forward slash keto. And if your jaw is just tired thinking about beef jerky, it's worth noting that these tasty treats are not tough at all, but moist with a little snap. The summer sausage flavor even tastes like those hickory summer sausages, but without the gunk seriously delicious. Again, that's paleovalley.com forward slash keto for an instant 20% off savings. If you have an idea for a podcast episode, or you want to submit praise over and above the review, which you can leave by going to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash review, you can reach me at info at ketodietpodcast.com. I have one announcement. I will be going on another book tour starting very soon, like next month. I will be going to over 10 places sprinkled all through the US and Canada, and I am so stoked to be heading back on tour to meet you, chat, sign your book. If you don't already have a copy of The Keto Diet, which is my paperback, you can pick one up at the event and I'll sign it. I'll do a talk. I'll answer your questions. It's always a good time. So you can head to ketodietbook.com forward slash tour to RSVP. There are a couple of locations where we're running out on space. So if you haven't RSVP'd and you're kind of thinking about going, you're not sure, just RSVP. I would highly recommend if I'm going to your city, check it out at ketodietbook.com forward slash tour. See if I'm headed your way. If I'm not, I'm really sorry. Maybe in the future. So we'll see about that. 
but definitely head on over to ketodietbook.com forward slash tour to RSVP. And I can't wait to meet you. And Kevin will be there too. So we're both really excited to see you. Our guest today, her name is Stephanie Dodier. She's a clinical nutritionist, weight loss and emotional eating expert, author of the Crave Cure program, and she's a speaker and host of the Beyond the Food Show. Stephanie's integrative and comprehensive approach to nutrition focuses on finding the root causes of your cravings and aligning your body and mind. Stephanie and I met at Paleo FX a couple of years ago. She came to my Healthful Pursuit dinner and I just loved her energy and her attitude toward eating and seemed like she knew a lot of things. And then I checked her out online and sure enough, she knew a lot of things. So she recently did an Instagram story on the five deficiencies that can lead to binge eating. And I watched the whole thing and I messaged her and I was like, girl, you gotta come on the podcast. So here we are. So without further ado, Let's cut over to it. Hey, Stephanie, how's it going? Fabulous. Very excited about today. Awesome. I'm so, so happy to have you on the show. We met actually in Texas at a dinner about a year ago, and I just loved our conversation. I watch your Instagram stories all the time, and I'm just so happy to have you here to chat with all of our people about emotional eating and cravings and binging and all the things. And I'm excited to share my own experience and what I've learned in working with people in the context of working with women specifically in relationship to food. So let's dive right into this. Cool. So for listeners that may not be familiar with your work, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I am a clinical nutritionist and that for me is a second life. So we were talking earlier about midlife crisis. I had my midlife crisis at the age of 36, where my health completely collapsed following a very intense career in the corporate world. And I needed solution to heal myself. And I didn't want to do the medication, anti-anxiety stuff. So I went down the path of natural healing. And then I started to find therapies to help me and food and, and nutrition. So I quit my gig in the corporate world. And I went back to school and I became a nutritionist. And now I help women with their relationship to food because What I found through my own healing is that food is, yes, important, but there's so much more beyond the food that actually we need to work on to get a permanent and complete healing. Amazing. And I think specifically, and we were chatting about this before we started recording, is especially in the ketogenic community or any of these quote unquote strict eating styles, whether it be vegan or vegetarian or keto or low carb or even paleo. I remember, you know, when we were doing the paleo thing, yes. um, it's like, it's my way or the highway. This is the only way to do it. And if it's not working, clearly it's me screwing it up and I just need to be stricter. <laughs> Absolutely. And that can cause a lot of problems. So let's chat about the problems it can cause first. (laughs) Absolutely. And firsthand living through those problems is my own story, right? So I I started my journey wanting or thinking that weight was my issue. So I went dive into the paleo diet, like stricter and militant, like everybody was eating grain was a bad person. And it allowed me to lose weight. But then I started to have all kinds of craving. And then I started digging into why this was happening. And that's when I discovered that there was more than food. And part of my control that I was actually exercising on food is because I wasn't looking on the other element beyond the food as far as healing my weight issue, my hormonal issue, my anxiety issue. And so just to give the listener a a brief understanding of going beyond the food, we're talking about here, your mindset, the way you talk to yourself, the way you relate with caring for your body beyond the food, like your relationship to exercising, your relationship to your partner in life, are you in an abusive relationship? Are you in a loving relationship? So all those elements that go beyond the food, in fact, as per science, exercise as much, if not more power than food has on our body. And I, nobody's ever explained that to me until I tripped over the information and, and started to discover the other component. And more for me, more I was going down the paleo way. And that's how I tripped over keto. That's how I actually discovered you, Leanne, is wanting to be even stricter on my paleo. <laughs> You're like the third person to say that today. I've been recording a bunch of podcasts. They're like, yeah, I found you right when I was wanting to go even stricter. And then (laughs) things changed. (laughs) 
So yeah, so I'd like I I was I was the expert of the keto was teaching it and, and the whole thing and then I'm like like my hormone is still out of whack and I'm still not at the weight goal I want to be at. There has to be more into food. And then I did like somehow keto this whole path of wanting to be stricter with my food led me to actually discovered and searching that there was more than just food if that makes sense that's really what my path was too is like you know the keto beginning my first program was really like let's be strict and lose weight together and then i was like oh shoot that doesn't work and then i did <laughs> fat fueled of like hey guys um so maybe being super strict isn't working out and it didn't work for me but hey, if you dig deeper and figure out, you know, what this is all about, and that's very much what we're going to talk about today yeah. is digging deeper beyond the food and why something quote unquote isn't working. And that's what I really discovered. And once I figured that out, life became a lot easier when I focused on not only, you know, just you know, the macros, but how food makes me feel and when I, what emotions bring me to certain types of food and how relationships influence my health and my mental health and how my mental health is, you know, connected to the foods that I'm choosing. I mean, it's all intertwined. And I think if we don't have this conversation, we're really doing ourselves a disservice because it's, it's about so much more than just the diet solving all of your problems. Absolutely. And I'm laughing here because before we go further, I'm going to use the word beyond the food a lot. Mm. And there's a reason for that is because that's my podcast and it's called Beyond the Food. So I just want to put it out there before uh -huh. people say like, what the heck is she saying beyond the food all the time? Yeah. So we'll get it out. <laughs> We're not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> that's amazing. And what was that process for you? Before we kind of dig into like, what it means to go beyond the food. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people will listen to what we're about to share and be like, I can't do that. I, like, how? How, how do mm -hmm. I even do that? And so what was that process like for you? Because, you know, people share their stories and it sounds like one day they were screwed up and then the next day they were totally fine. So what did that process look like for you to going beyond the food? And how long did it take you to get here right now? Six years. Okay. So six years ago, I was in hospital, wired from head to toe, thinking I was going to die of a heart attack, not understanding anything about beyond calories and fat is bad for you. That's where I was six years ago. And today, six years down the road, and trust me, a lot of ups and downs and curling the ball on the in the living room floor and just crying. Five or six, like, heavy 300 page journal of me just journaling my life. I'm here today and I'm here today and, and I meditate every day and I do like practices to connect my mind and my body and I still have ups and downs. Like the last three days was like, I didn't go on social media because I needed to work some stuff personally. So it was a call it a down. I don't call it a down anymore, but for most people it was a down and that's six years down the project of working on myself. I think it's really good that, you know, people that share information online or in books or any quote unquote health gurus be really honest to the, to the fact that they're humans. <laughs> like yeah. I'm a human and there are days where, you know, they're messy days. <laughs> they're just messy days like any other person. And I think sometimes like I know some people that I follow, I kind of put them up on a pedestal and I think, oh, if only I could be like that person. But it's, it's nice to hear you say, you know, like I'm human and stuff happens yep. and then I just need to like reassess stuff. So I really appreciate that. And I know that everyone listening will too. So thank you. So it's not a direct line, I guess that's the message. So mm -hmm. it's not like, and that's part of the issue with food, right? The control we exert on food through a keto diet, a vegan diet, whatever it is, is we try to, with a, our left brain, right? Our, our analytical brain to resolve a problem that actually is heart-based. So the other side of the brain, right? The, the emotional part of the brain, that's where our relationship to food began. And then we try to solve it from the other side of the brain. And that causes us to exert even more control on food because we're not either aware that our relationship to food begins in our heart, in our right side of the brain, or because we don't want to go there because it's too messy. Yeah, it can get pretty messy. <laughs> yeah, it can get pretty messy. More on my interview with Stephanie Dodier after this message from one of our podcast partners. 
I love being Canadian, the home of the true North strong and free, but gosh, I'm pretty jealous of you all in the US because you get access to Thrive Market while I'm stuck with limited access to the abundance of health foods that you all know and love. We have 14 day shipping and everything's really expensive and forget about free shipping. That's always out of the question. For all of my pals south of the border, my friends at Thrive Market are offering you 35% off your first box of groceries plus free shipping and a 30 day trial so you can reorder your favorites a couple of weeks down the road. Imagine spending only $9.95 as opposed to the $20.99 on raw cacao powder or $15.65 as opposed to $24.99 on MCT oil if you go to a retail store. So on top of their everyday wholesale prices, the extra 35% off your first box of organic and non-GMO products plus free shipping is going to make a regular $100 grocery run into about a $50, maybe $75 Thrive Market order for the same amount of things. You can go to thrivemarket.com forward slash HP to get your instant 35% off and this offer will expire in a couple of weeks. So if you're on the fence about it, the time is now. Again, that's thrivemarket.com forward slash HP to get your instant 35% off. And this offer is available to new Thrive Market customers only and people in the U.S. Wah, wah. Okay, so let's kind of chat about binging, overeating. I know that one of the tips for controlling binge eating that we hear about a lot is to not restrict ourselves and that restriction itself is what causes the binge. Is that a good method for everyone or are there people who may be actually better off restricting the very foods that they know that they will binge on? Absolutely. So the way I look at this is I'm going to give you an image. I'm thinking of an onion. It's like peeling an onion. And the first layer, the first peel of the onion is actually the food. So for people, maybe not in this group of listeners, but the average people, the North American people who eat a lot of sugar, a lot of processed food, the first layer we need to deal with if they're binge eating or they have a difficult relationship to food is the food they choose to eat right? So we first need to understand, yes, it does have to do with a certain level of restriction, but it's the what I call the not really food, like the junk food, the sugar, things that are not really food. Yes, if we eat those food and we don't restrict them, they will cause us to binge. White sugar, for an example, is demonstrated to cause an addiction in the brain. And yes, you will binge on those. So that's, yeah, to a certain degree, food is part of it. However, if I'm thinking of the audience who's listening to this podcast, you're likely not eating the standard North American diet. If you are not, then the first step is to go get Leanne's book and adopt a real whole food type of lifestyle, eliminating processed food and, and the sugar and, and the things that we know are addictive and cause binge eating. Once that layer is peeled and we are where you, Leanne, where I live and most of the listener live in a real food world, then it is not, it doesn't have anything to do with food anymore. It has to do with that right side of the brain, the emotional part of our being. Some people will call it our soul body, our spiritual body, our emotional body. The answer to your binge eating lies in that part of yourself. So the more control you want to exert on your keto diet for the listener, the, well, you'll say, well, I'll dial up or I'll dial down my macros to get even stricter so I don't have any binge eating moment or I will lose the weight that I want to lose. The more control you exert on that side of your health, the less you're paying attention to the emotion that are actually driving the binge eating behavior. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do to find the solution to our binge eating is actually to understand why we binge. So instead of applying control to the trigger food, because that's a common team, right? We talk about trigger food. Instead of looking at our trigger food, what I want you to look at is the trigger event, the trigger people, the trigger emotion, the trigger whatever that caused you to binge. And that is where it can get messy because through that process of understanding what triggered the binge, you may discover that 
maybe the relationship you're in is not that nice, or you're not feeling fulfilled anymore in your job, or you have a hatred for your body that every time you look at yourself or you put a bathing suit on, then you will binge because you hate your body. So understanding what triggered the binge beyond the food is where it begins to find a solution to binge eating. What are some examples of triggers? Like you mentioned, maybe some relationships, you mentioned some Mm -hmm. emotions or experiences. What What would be a good example of a trigger that somebody would maybe look for? So in cognitive behavior therapy, we talk about like it's a triangle, right? So there's the thoughts. So a thought of some kind. So for me, for an example, it's not good enough. So when I have a list of a mile longs of things to do, I desire to do it all at the like 100%. I'm a perfectionist. So I want to do it all because I don't feel that I'm good enough. So I want to overperform. Then I feel overwhelmed. The first thought that happens into my head when I feel that overwhelm is food, particularly chips for me, Mm. the crunchy, the aggressive, right? Mm. That's what happened in my head when I felt overwhelmed. Because when we feel overwhelmed, like for my example, particularly, and and that's different for all of you listener, when you feel that negative emotion, it is human nature to want to feel better. Because feeling bad is not the human experience. It's not what we're meant to be. It's not what, what we're meant to feel like. So the body will go and you've probably heard of that survival mechanism, right? Probably listener have heard of the whole cortisol pathway, right? We are in survival. Well, emotionally, we have that same survival pathway. We don't feel good. We're going survival mode. We're going to find something that's going to make us feel better. For some people, it's drugs. For some people, it's alcohol. For some people, it's food, And that's my case. And people who struggle with binge eating is food. Very little people who have binge eating are also alcoholic because it's it's not what they're using. They're using alcohol to feel better for people like me who struggle with binge eating. It's food. So I feel bad because I feel overwhelmed because I'm I want to do everything today the best that I can. I feel bad about that. I feel stress. I know that when I eat chips, I feel better momentarily, but at least I feel better because there is a release of dopamine in the brain when you binge eat, right? And that dopamine makes you feel better. Does that help you understand? A hundred percent. And one of the videos that you made on Instagram that and then I messaged you, I was like, come on <laughs> yeah. the show right now. Yeah. <laughs> like it was the deficiencies that can lead yes. to this situation. Can we talk a little bit about the deficiencies? Absolutely. So What I have observed through my own journey and the people that I work with is five deficiencies that lead to binge eating. Number one, self-worth. I'm not good enough. I'm not worth it. My body is not beautiful enough, thin enough. I'm not ripped enough. Whatever enough it is, you do not value yourself. And side by side to that self-worth comes the behavior of perfectionism. So, I would say that 90% of the people that have a deficiency of self-worth are trying to compensate the self-worth by being perfectionists. And that is a large number of people coming to keto. I don't know if it's that your observation in the people who purchase your program, but people strive for perfection within the keto. And people who are not perfectionists are looking at the keto. They're like, are those people crazy? Like, how can you do this? So number one deficiency is self-worth. And when you don't feel enough, you don't feel good enough or or beautiful enough, you don't feel good, you don't feel happy, you don't feel fulfilled or joy, and you will go to food, in our case, to feel better. So self-worth is a cause of binge eating from that perspective. And one of the things to repair, heal that, or stop that behavior is actually stopping to judge ourselves, stopping to label ourselves or our behavior as good and not good. I haven't been eating keto today. I've been a bad person. I've had an off day. I fell off the wagon. I don't know if you hear that, but I hear that a lot in my world. 
Yeah, I just did a podcast episode on it. I just finished recording episode 40 and it was exactly <laughs> like falling off the wagon, the getting wagon. back on track. Yeah. Right? This whole thought process that you fell off the wagon, there's no such thing as falling off the wagon. I don't know what you said in your podcast, but like reality is there's no such thing as falling off the wagon. Like we're not off the wagon. It's just the human experience, right? There's ups and downs. There is no wagon. Sort of like there there is no spoon matrix style. Like there's no wagon. You created the wagon, but it doesn't exist. (laughs) Voila. So you've already got a preview to that podcast. Yeah. So, So yeah. So So stop labeling, stop judging, find more compassion for yourself. So that's a big deficiency that leads to binge eating. So instead of applying more control on your your macros, try to find more worth for yourself. Try to work on that behavior and not being enough. The second one is self-care. And that is a massive one for women. And very sarcastic in the sense that we're talking about ketogenic diet because people believe women particularly believe that they do care for themselves because they pay so much attention to their food and they spend the time cooking specifically when you do a keto diet like you and I Leanne which is real food so we cook everything from scratch so people believe women believe that I do care for myself because I spend all this time caring for my food the challenge is, is that we are more than just food. We are an emotional being. We are a spiritual being. We have relationship in our life. Like, do you also go into the place? And, and I know you've been there. I've been there. We over-exercise. Mm-hmm. And that is not self-care. <laughs> it's actually destroying our body, right? Because this whole behavior of, well, I do exercise, but I go to the gym six days a week, and it's because I care for myself. Well, actually you're trying to compensate and control your exercise to achieve your goal instead of looking at the other side, the emotional side and the spiritual side of your being. So self-care goes beyond just the food. It's your relationship to exercise, the time you spend with yourself, like how many minutes a day, and I don't want to say hours, but how many minutes a day you spend in silence with yourself thinking, right? We don't do that. So self-care and a deficiency and holistic approach to self-care will lead to binge eating because we don't take care of all part of our being. Again, going back to the fact that we're more than just the left brain, the analytical side of ourselves, but we are also emotional, spiritual being. So that's self-care. Deficiency number three is positive self-talk. And that's another big one. And for people to understand this, if, if you are not aware, we have two parts of our brain, the conscious brain and the subconscious brain. So our subconscious brain, aka our mind, is what directs 95% of our behavior in a day. So example of that, your heartbeat. Your heartbeat is not coming from the conscious part of your brain. It's totally subconscious. You don't have to think about like beating your heart or breathing. It just happens automatically. The tape that runs in our head, that self-talk, that silence part of our conversation with ourselves, if we're not aware of that, is actually coming from our subconscious brain. You know, the cassette that plays in the background all the time? It's subconsciously there. And in most of us, it's not nice. It's judgmental and it's challenging and it's negative. So if we're not consciously aware of how we have this internal chatter with ourselves, we will run that negative self-talk, self-talk in the background consistently. And that, ladies, is a massive source of stress. And I'm sure, Leanne, you've talked about cortisol on many other podcasts, and it leads to so many hormonal dysregulation. And that was me. Like, I was this clinical nutritionist, and I knew all the supplements, and I was doing saliva testing like three to four times a year. And I had everything, like food and and dialed up. The only thing that wasn't dialed up in my life was my internal chatter. And that's when I discovered meditation. And it changed my world, but 
as soon as I started to care for this background noise, I was constantly playing in the back of my mind, causing me to stress because it was constantly telling me I wasn't good enough. The stress level went down and my cortisol pattern and rhythm became back to normal. This is how powerful that cassette that plays in the back of your head can have. So that's number three, which is positive self-talk. And then the fourth one is the love for our body and body image. How many times a day do we pass in front of a mirror, take a selfie, look at ourselves and judge ourselves? I've counted it one day. I don't know if you've ever done the exercise, Leanne, but it was 15 times. Whoa. For me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think, I think I may have done it more in the past, but I mean, I was laying in bed the other day and I'd eaten a really, really large meal with my family and I was wearing these like cutoff shorts and I was just letting my belly fly, you know, like I was just full. And there was this voice in the back of my head that said, you should care about how you look right now. I was literally in bed. The lights were off and I didn't care. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of like, what, what? No, like, oh, wow, I stopped caring. Like, it was this moment <laughs> of just, I really don't care. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure like a couple of years ago, oh, I used to take so many pictures of myself in the mirror, like all the time, different angles. And I'd like lift up my shirt. Like, even if I was going to the bathroom, I'd like lift up my shirt, yes. check out my belly in all different areas, and then go to the bathroom. And as I was like sitting on the toilet, I'd be beating myself up over like the, I don't know, extra macadamia nut I had four days ago. <laughs> yes, sister. <laughs> right? Yeah. Constantly. So think about that, ladies. How many times a day do you do that to yourself? Would you say that to your best friend? Never, right? You wouldn't say what you said to yourself sitting on the bathroom or me standing in front of the mirror when I get dressed up in the morning. I would never say those words to anyone. So the impact of the word you choose when you look at yourself in the mirror and you care and you label 99% of the time when we have body images, you trust me, it's not an overwhelming positive feeling towards your body, right? It's because we hate the image we're receiving in the mirror. And we put a lot of importance and value to that because that's what we believe is going to bring us that positive effect. Because most of us have been raised in a space or have been led to believe that more severe, more judgmental we are towards ourselves, the better behavior we'll have. We've learned that behavior somewhere that when we beat ourselves, we're going to change our habits. We're going to transform. We're going to stop doing this because we're so rough on ourselves. And our parents, in most cases, did that, not meaning to do this bad thing to us, but that's the way they were raised. So they, they continue this behavior, and then we do that to ourselves, right? We beat ourselves up because that's the way we're going to learn. Well, guess what? It doesn't work. And we now know that with children, that's not how we raise children, or we, we say that's not the way children should be raised because they don't actually learn the right behavior that way. They're just scared. It's fear. So what we need to do is learn to have a better relationship with ourselves and with time, learn to love our body the way it is. Because all that negative self-talk that we do towards our body actually raises the level of stress in our body and hormones and neurotransmitter and all the chemistry in our body is actually modified by the negative self-talk we have towards our body. And when we're stressed out and cortisol is yeah. increasing, you're not going to be generating many ketones. So kind of goes hand in hand. <laughs> Et voila. Right? So yeah. you can be at 15 grams of carbs a day. But if you have that background noise playing, it has nothing to do with the diet. It has to do with the way you treat yourself when you're in front of a mirror or taking a selfie of yourself. So that's the fourth one. And the final one, which is a sum of all of it, and I would say, I would dare to say the most important is lack of self-compassion, which should become a behavior that we have all the time towards ourselves, which is compassion. Example of that, you eat too much, you're laying in bed and you're bloated, right? Do you actually feel 
I don't want to say love, but do you feel compassion towards yourself or do you go in a vicious cycle of shame and guilt and negative self-talk? I should have never done that. Why do I do that? I'm such an idiot. Every time I go out with my family, I feel stressed. I overeat and I feel like shit. And now I'm going to have two weeks where I'm going to have to be strict with myself. La, 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 la. I think we've all been there, right? Compassion requires you to actually ask yourself the question, like, why did I do that? What was I trying to protect myself from? What was I trying to make myself feel better for? Or did I simply overeat because I chose to overeat and I move on? Mm -hmm. Because that happens too. Yeah, totally does. It totally happens. Yeah. There's nothing bad about that because self-compassion requires you to not label your behavior as good or bad. They're just behavior. And once you understand the, the reason, the trigger at an emotional level behind it, then you just have a big hugging moment with yourself. And guess what? People are scared. And I used to be scared that if I was nice with myself, if I was compassionate with myself, I would just binge even more. And yes, it may happen in times where you really put yourself in that workplace of working the other side, the other aspect of your healing, there might be a period where you may binge more because you are in that period of adaptation of learning to look at life from that other angle. And you just don't know how to behave from that perspective, but that will pass. And that you will go back to a space where you eat when you're hungry. And that's the beautiful thing when you are willing to be compassionate with yourself and you're asking the question as to why am I behaving like this and what's causing emotionally that behavior, you will get to a place where you will heal and actually correct the element in your life that caused that behavior. And binging will just literally, no joke, vanish mm. yeah because beautiful. you don't have the triggers no more right yeah exactly more on my interview with stephanie dadier after this message from one of our podcast partners the podcast is partnered with wolf clinic royal flora my choice in soil-based probiotics soil-based probiotics are a fabulously effective approach to repopulating the gut the soil-based organisms are cultured in declayed plant matter free from pesticides chemicals and toxins unlike conventional probiotics which have a shortened shelf life are vulnerable to stomach acid weakened by processing methods and less likely to reconstitute or colonize the gi tract to the level we need it soil-based probiotics are alive and thriving, meaning they colonize along the entire GI tract, rapidly forming into the bacteria your body needs most as soon as it interacts with saliva. Soil-based probiotics from Wolf Clinic called Royal Flora is my choice in soil-based probiotic, and my gut has never felt less bloated. I'm not reacting to foods in the way that I used to, for example, spaghetti squash. I can eat it, no problem. It's great. U.S. and Canadian listeners receive 20% off when you order from healthfulpursuit.com forward slash gut. Use the coupon code GUT, all in caps, no spaces, for the 20% discount to be applied to your order. So like what happens if, you know, you're doing this work, you're digging deep and because you're human, you're probably going to binge again between now and, you know, when you kind of figure a little bit out, what should one do if, you know, they're halfway through a binge and they're like, shoot, and they become conscious? Because I know when yes. I was binging, maybe it's a little bit different because I had bulimia where I would completely black out, like I wouldn't even be conscious in my body or anything. Mm -hmm. And then I'd be done the binge and the purge and the whole bit. But for somebody that is binging, they're conscious to the binge. Are there any tools or strategies one could use when they're right in the binge and they're like, they become conscious to the fact that they're doing what they're doing? Absolutely. So in my world, I call that the crave cure formula. So it's a four step process that we actually learn a breathing technique, like that the pausing moment you're talking about that moment of awareness that you're now binging 
it's the solution. You're 50% of the way there because you're actually are aware that you're binging. So take the time to be with your food. The first step is I'm not going to teach you to breathe because when you're in the middle of the, in the binge, you're not going to stop to do a breathing exercise, right? Be conscious of the pizza you're overeating. For me, it was the chips. And when you start being conscious of actually eating the chip, like turn off the TV and eat the chip, like you feel how salty it is and how disgusting it is in your mouth. So that's the first step. Be aware, be with your binge instead of being somewhere else. So try to bring the awareness back to that binging situation that you're in. And if you can, after or when you can pause the binge is actually to start feeling the emotion that you're running away from. Because I don't know about you, but for me, when I binge, I typically run away from something. So feeling that what you're trying to run away through your food is the element that will tip over in with the time and with practice the binging behavior because you will be able to feel the emotion without having a numbing element. Because when we binge, we don't want to feel something. We want to feel better because we are afraid of that feeling. So we're numbing with that binging behavior. So part of the process of healing is actually learning to be with that feeling and learning that it's not going to kill us. It's not going to cause us to die. It's not going to cause us to collapse. Like feeling the emotion is just that. It's an emotion. It's an energy. But the first step is awareness and the second step is feeling it. Once you get to a place where you're comfortable doing that, the breathing exercise that I talk about, the Crave Cure formula, is actually where you're going to learn to overcome this emotion and be comfortable with the emotion. So a breathing technique that I teach is very simply through in and out through the nose. And there's a reason why we do that through the nose. It's, it's because there is receptor into the nose that will actually help you pause that stress feeling. Because when we binge, we don't feel good about something. We are stressed. Like if I was to measure your cortisol at that moment, it's off to the roof. Because of the binging behavior, because of the emotion you're feeling that you're trying to numb or cover, so what we need to do through that breathing technique is actually take you off that fight or flight, that overly stress to bring you back down. And I use that same technique when we talk about simple craving. Again, when we crave, we are at a higher state of stress. So the first place to bring you back to a level where you can be aware and stop the behavior is actually to get you off that stress element through a breathing technique. So in and out by the nose. For most people, when we begin to breathe like this, we need to close our eyes because we need to concentrate on our breathing behavior. And for most people within a minute of breathing or two, depending on how stressed you are, you will come off that stress behavior, that, that height of your stress, that fight or flight place, and you will be coming back down to a normal stress level, which will allow you to be present with yourself and to be present to the reason why you're craving chips or you're craving chocolate is because of X, Y, Z. You're truly not hungry. And then you're going to learn what we call riding the wave, which is actually to feel the emotion and realize that this emotion is not there forever, that it washes away. So if you've done any type of therapy around disordered eating, you've probably heard of that concept of riding the wave and learning that that emotion that you're feeling is just an energy. It comes up to warn you. It's actually a message from your body to warn you that something is not good and it washes away. As soon as you've attuned to it, as soon as you've felt it, heard it, acknowledge it, it will start washing away. 
I know I've been talking a lot here, but I'm gonna no, pause for a minute. I love it. Okay, I'll take over for a second. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. You take some water. Um, yeah. <laughs> so many knowledge bombs. I don't even know where to start. I was like frantically writing down questions and trying to wrap my head around all the pieces. And that's, it's some a trick that I've learned that's been really helpful for me, and it may work for some people is usually I call it being snacky and being snacky for me, me means that I'm not actually hungry. I just am trying to soothe myself usually before bed because I mean, especially on Tuesdays when I record the podcast, like I am sitting for probably almost 12 hours recording podcasts and working and I'm not getting up. There's very limited self-care. So I know on Tuesdays, Tuesday night specifically, I'm going to be really snacky and I use that as a way to soothe myself. Yeah. And usually when I'm snacky and not actually hungry, I have no idea what I want to eat. I just know I need yes. something. When I'm hungry, I'm like, nope, I want steak. Like it's very clear what I want. But when I'm snacky, it's like, well, I could have this or I could combine this and this. I mean, I could have popcorn and an apple at the very same time. And that's when I know like you're not actually <laughs> hungry. <laughs> like you're just, you know, usually it's comfort because it's just been a really long day and I just want to feel something good. And I know that food will give me that very quickly. Exactly. So if I don't know what I want to eat, usually it's that I'm not hungry. It's that I'm snacky and I'm using that emotional piece as opposed to actually feeding myself because I'm hungry. <laughs> so that's something that I've learned and have to relearn. Like I almost need to write it on a sticky note because I forget multiple times a month that this is a <laughs> thing for me and then I'll eat those food. And like Kevin, when we first started getting together, you know, like we, this was nine years ago, he would be like, are you actually hungry right now? And I would bite his head off. Like, you shut, do not ask, like shut your mouth right now. <laughs> like, don't talk to me. Or like, are you calling me fat? Like, he just, he's been so good. Now he just like, he knows better than to say anything. And he just waits for my stomach to hurt because I overate. And then he's just like, it's okay. It's okay. Right? Because he just knows to stay out of it. But good man. Right? I need to put a sticky note somewhere like on the fridge or something and be like, are you hungry? Or, you know, do you know what you want right now? Because if you don't, you're probably not hungry. And I think that that has been such a huge lesson for me and just can kind of help help you determine just off the top without having to get too deep into things yet if it's really overwhelming to you like if you're crazy yeah. if you're thinking of a bunch of different foods that you could combine or the fact that you can't decide on one thing it's probably because it's not actually that you're hungry you're totally right and that's the first thing we learn is physical hunger versus emotional hunger right there's like massive difference between the two like an emotional hunger is sudden it's like typically for like not quote unquote good food, like snacky food. And it's like obsessive. Like when you want to emotionally eat, like you're focused, I'm going to find something to eat. It's not like I can carry on doing something and then I need to eat later. It's like you're wanting to eat. That is pure emotional eating. Yeah. So let's chat a little bit about binging and stuff when it comes to dietary restrictions. Mm -hmm. So how does someone maybe with a tendency to binge eat cope with having many dietary restrictions due to maybe allergies or healing protocols or just wanting to do best by their bodies? Obviously, we know that better food choices and portions are those that will make us and our bodies function better. But if we stray away from those options and, you know, how, how do we navigate the landscape of binging when it comes to dietary restrictions? Because oftentimes dietary restrictions, like we've been saying, mm -hmm. can cause binging. So and it's we... a fact of life. Yes. Right. And then it's a fact of life. So what I want to say to people and, and for myself as well, I had a lot of dietary restriction when I lifted the other side of healing, like I spent four years solely on like managing food as a way of healing myself. And I had a ton of restriction at that point. When I started to lift the veil on the other side and started to heal the other part, slowly and gradually, the restriction that I needed to impose to myself actually got less and less. Because I and there's no Trust me, there's no science on that because nobody's looking at that yet. But there is a strong correlation with food intolerances and emotional health. 
And I believe that part of this has to do with leaky gut and don't want to pitch my podcast again. But if you go back to my podcast, I did an interview with doctor, a doctor that actually studied that the relationship to gut healing was actually the lack of boundary of people. And he's putting out science behind that right now. So coming back to your question of restriction eating and binge eating, the number one thing is to understand that part of your restriction that you are at this point in your life are due in part to the other side of healing. Understand that and be aware of that and start the process of working on that aspect of yourself. And then two, don't see them as restriction, but start seeing them as healing yourself. Because it's just a choice of words, but it will make the whole difference in the world. If I can't have that versus as I choose not to have that. I don't know if you've ever done this exercise, but it's very powerful. Yes, I do it all the time. So I choose not to eat flowers and gluten because when I do, I feel bloated and I feel crappy for the next two days, like literally depressed. So when I go out and I verbalize my choice with people, I don't say I can't have bread. Is I choose not to have bread because it doesn't make me feel good. So the way you express your restriction has an impact on your emotion. It has an impact of the way you're going to feel about them. So as you tag along to to working on healing the other side, this emotional spiritual body at the same time, be careful of choice of words you use. And yes, you have to respect your restriction, but don't expect perfection. And that's the last element of this. It's not going to kill you if you have, I don't know, tomato, if you are on AIP protocol for the last three months, and you have tomato after three months, it's not going to kill you. Perfection actually is going to make you sicker. So realize that 98% is as good as 100% when you are at that stage of your healing. That good? Yeah, 100%. And I think that ties into another piece um, that came up as you were talking about the deficiencies of the sabotage behavior that comes usually when things are going really, really, really well. And, you know, you're on week six and, you know, you woke up that morning and you're like, oh my gosh, life is so great. I am crushing it right now. And then by like noon, you've made all these quote unquote horrible choices and you're thinking like, why did this happen? Everything was perfect. Why does that sabotage behavior come up and why is it always when things are going so well and then we just quote unquote screw it all up? It's a very simple answer and people will say, oh, that's, but here it is. <laughs> It's because you're trying to be perfect and you're judging yourself. Sabotage will not happen if you don't label that behavior as self-sabotage. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So if you don't expect perfection from yourself, if you expect to be a human being and to have a moment where things are not going so well, so you may have, I don't know, a piece of chocolate if you don't have chocolate, whatever it is, and that's okay, and you're not judging the behavior, and you're being compassionate towards yourself, then we don't call that self-sabotage, do we? And then when we don't call it self-sabotage, we don't get into the vicious circle of shame and guilt and then like binging, right? Because now we've been such a bad person and we feel so terrible about ourselves that we now we just got to binge, right? Might as well max it out and then be a bad person because tomorrow morning we're going back on that strict wagon of 100%. I don't know if that, that happened to me all the time. Yeah. Like might as well screw it up because I've, I've screwed it up already, right? <laughs> it's so brilliant that you say that. I've never really put two and two together. Like I, I don't feel like I've sabotaged myself for... A really long time and I think it's because I don't hold <laughs> myself up on this perfection of perfectness that I used to and it's like that's it is what it is if I eat too much and I'm too full then yeah. I don't binge anymore to satisfy that you know yes it's, it's the whole well if I screwed up it may as well just throw in the towel today and I'll start again tomorrow that whole thing and then you really binge when you're like that like that's oh, yeah. when like, like the, on. I might as well have it because I'll never have it again Right. Because, and I remember like I used to be able to eat two bags of chip in one night, like barbecue oh. and salt and vinegar, because I'll never have chips again. 
So might as well max it out and have as much as I can because I got to be perfect for the rest of my life after. Mm-hmm. And and what about so emotional eating and binging has a lot of negative connotation and something that mm-hmm. I've learned specifically lately is in order for me to accept my behaviors, sometimes, sometimes I do binge, like when I'm snacky, sometimes I do have those things and I'm like, shoot, what are some ways that, you know, if I guess if you have binged or you accept that, yes, I want to emotionally eat, like, is that okay? Mm-hmm. Is yeah, that okay absolutely. Like, I want to yeah. emotionally eat. I don't even care. Yeah, because we are human and that's what differs us or makes us different from animals. We have emotion and innately from the moment we are born, our relationship to food is emotional. When we eat to like the breast of our mother or the bottle, we automatically get an association of comfort with food. Like we're being held, we're being close to our mother, it's warm and we eat. So often children don't cry really to eat, they cry to get comfort. So from the moment we're born, our relationship to food is emotional. So absolutely, yes, when life is terrible and you consciously decide to emotionally eat, that's okay. And because you do it consciously, like you're being fully aware of what you're doing, guess what? You're going to eat a lot less. I don't know if that's your experience, but that totally is mine. Yes, 100%. Like I emotionally ate a couple of weeks ago and I decided I was going to have popcorn. There you go. And I put some coconut oil and nutritional yeast on it and I made a quarter of a cup of corn and I ate that and I didn't even get through the whole bowl and I was like, I'm done. (sighs) But when you're binging, it's like bring on half a cup and then I'm going to have chocolate. Oh my gosh. I'm going to melt chocolate on my popcorn, you know, like, (laughs) and that didn't happen because I made a choice. I was like, yeah, I'm dealing with emotional crap and I don't feel well. And so this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. It's like the other morning I woke up, I had this entire bar of chocolate, like, you know, the baking size bar in my living room table. And I woke up the next morning and I realized I only ate two squares of it. Mm-hmm. And typically on Friday night, when I watch a movie, I would have ate a lot more than that. But I didn't in the moment, like I was eating the piece of chocolate, I must have put it down, because I wasn't obsessed about it. I was more focused on watching the movie and being with people. I just left it there. But if I had binge, trust me, the whole bar of chocolate probably would have been gone. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's really crazy. It's like releasing control to gain control without being in control. And it's, it's really, really scary. How would you recommend if somebody's listened to our recording and they're like, wow, I want to do this, but this sounds really scary. And I'm probably going to gain 500 pounds by next week. So the number one thing I would recommend is, so I have what, what I call a crave cure guide. So in the Crave Cure Guide, it's a, I think it's 60 some pages. It's a mini book, it's totally free. So the link's going to be stephaniedozier.com slash Crave Cure Guide. And I think you're going to put it in the show notes as well. Deal. Right? So go get that. So you will see it's, we talk about food. We talk about the food piece and low carbohydrate and real food, but we also go and teach you the breathing technique. We teach you question to ask yourself and journaling exercise and the mind body connection. So the first step I always say to people is you have to be educated. So for probably a vast majority of people listening to this podcast are like mind blown. Never heard of this crap. Nobody's ever told me about this. Like, okay, cool. Come get educated about it. Understand how the mind works. Listen to my podcast. Like right now we're in a phase where we talk about just that mindset and subconscious mind and mind. Like learn that piece of it the same way you've learned the keto diet and how, why, and and why you're doing things. Go to that side, learn, and start practicing small steps at a time. Understand that I've been there for six years. I don't know how many years for you you've been in recovery, Leanne, but it's probably around the same time. It's not something you're going to fix in two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I still have mental relapses. I mean, I haven't binged and purged in a really long time, but those same behaviors and thoughts Mm -hmm. still come up once in a while. And then I'm like, okay. And I, that's a big sign to me, like step back, stop (laughs) everything, cancel your recordings. Like, I don't even care. Just 
you need to be alone. <laughs> well, it's a message from your body yeah. that something's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Instead of being a punishing, a punishing behavior that you're a bad girl, you're like, oh, something's going on. Mm-hmm. I need to reattune. So our craving in my world, my craving, my binge eating is a message from my body that something is really not right right now. And I ought to do something instead of being a bad person. Amazing. Stephanie, you rock. I, I could, we could have talked for hours. You oh, really like I that. have <laughs> like, I just keep writing down questions on my laptop and they're just, it's just full. So we're going to have to have you on the show again because I mean, we didn't even, we just touched the, just the tip of emotional eating even. So everything that you share on your site and your Instagram stories and everything you put out there on your podcast even is just so great. So um, we'll definitely include links in the show notes so you guys can check out Stephanie. Where else can people find you? I would say that my website, so www.stephaniedodzie.com. And I would say it, the reason why we jive so well is we have the same food principle, but we've known through our own story that there is more to it. And that's what my podcast is about is, is we're not talking about keto. We're not talking about food. We're talking about everything else but food. So for your listener, I would say that would be the first place I would invite them to go because it's going to be a tag along to what you do as far as, and it's going to touch the other piece of it, right? The other side of the element. Mm-hmm. So go there first. Amazing. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Stephanie, we'll include all those links that you mentioned um, in the show notes, which you guys can find at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E43. And that does it for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Thanks for listening in. You can follow me on Instagram by searching Healthful Pursuit, where you'll find daily keto eats and other fun things. And Check out all of my keto supportive programs, bundles, guides, and other cool things over at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash shop. And I'll see you next Sunday. Bye.